Hello, you are listening to an episode of Trade Talks, a podcast about the economics of trade policy. I'm Samir Keynes, Trade and Globalization Editor for The Economist. And I'm Chad Bown, a senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics. In this episode, we are going to discuss some research about trade and gender with a very special guest, Beata Javorsik of the University of Oxford and also Chief Economist of the EBRD, which is the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. We're going to be discussing a question I find super interesting, and that is this question of whether globalization affects men and women differently. Or more provocatively, is trade sexist? So economists have paid a ton of attention to whether trade affects high-skilled and low-skilled workers differently, but there's been much less attention given to whether there are different effects on men and women. Beata has co-authored one of the few papers that tries to fill that gap. Her research looks at the gender pay gap in Norway, which is a, a great example because it is actually one of the most gender equal places in the world, though there is obviously still a gender pay gap. So the research question here is whether companies that trade have a bigger gender pay gap than companies that don't. So is the gap in pay between men and women bigger for exporters than for non-exporters? And do companies that export more intensely have a bigger pay gap? What made you want to look into this question? Were there any smoking guns out there that made you think that this would be an important angle to look at? On a Saturday morning, the phone of my husband rang at 7 a.m. And my four-year-old daughter said, oh, it's daddy's boss. And indeed, it was my husband's boss who happened to travel quite a lot. And it wasn't uncommon that he would call my husband at odd hours. And at that point, I thought I was really glad to be an academic and not having to receive calls at inconvenient times. And that made me think about um, how women wouldn't in particular enjoy being disrupted in their home activities, um, either early morning or late at night. And that made me think about how globalization working for companies that do business abroad may be less convenient for women. Okay. So back to your paper then. How do you go about answering this question about the, the role of gender inequality and its relationship to, to globalization? We look at Norwegian data. We have access to information about firms and their workers. We know a lot about firms. We know a lot about the workers. Um, we know their age, their education, their experience. And for half of the time period under consideration, we also know their occupational code. And of course, we know firms' exporting status. So in other words, firm-level information is linked um, with customs data that allows us to observe what these firms export, um, how much they export, and to what destinations. And we have this information for a fairly long time period, from 1996 to 2010. So how do, you, how do you go about measuring the, the gender wage gap? So we look at workers' wages and take out the part of wages that can be attributed to workers' age, to their experience in the labor market, to their education, to whether or not they have children, to the size of the city or the rural area where they live. 
And then we look at the differential in wages between men and women, and we can compare this differential in firms that export and firms that do not export. Now, obviously, you can't just compare people who work in exporting companies with people who work in non-exporting companies and then just conclude from those differences that everything is is being driven by trade, by, by what those companies do. Because it could be that there are different kinds of people applying to the jobs at these different kinds of companies. It is not random which workers apply for which to which firms and which firms are interested in hiring particular workers. So to take this into account, we hold the match between the worker and the firm fixed. So in other words, we look at just at workers who remain in particular firm for a period of time. And then we ask how the gender wage gap is changing as the firm becomes an exporter. What's your theory for how this gender wage gap is connected to to exporting? When you sell products abroad, you need to be in touch with your customers. You need to be able to deal with delays that happen at the border. You need to be able to answer urgent queries, provide technical support. Um, If your customers are located in a different time zone, they may not be able to call you during the regular office hours. Therefore, you may have to take calls either very early in the morning or late at night. And working outside the regular office hours is less convenient for women because they tend to have more duties on the home front. They may have to take children to school or take them to after-school activities. So women may either be less willing to be flexible in this way or they may be perceived as being less flexible. I, I loved how in your study you described the, the sociological evidence in support of this theory. Could you talk about that a little bit? Surveys show that women are perceived to be less committed to uh, their jobs. They are perceived as being more focused on the family. Some experiments using CVs show that women who has children is perceived as less competent than a man who has children. So in other words, the mere fact that a woman is a mother changes the way she is perceived in a workplace. Here, any pay gap could be being driven by perceptions. So if people think that women are less capable of doing a job or that men are more capable of doing a job, then they will treat them differently. So this theory that the demands for flexibility within a job could be penalizing women is one that other economists have looked at, probably most famously, Claudia Goldin of Harvard University. So Claudia Goldin has rightly observed that in some professions, working long hours and working particular hours is being disproportionately rewarded. So think, for instance, about lawyers. Um, In the law profession, the gender wage gap is quite large. She contrasts this uh, with pharmacists who are able to work part-time in their profession. It doesn't matter how many hours you work. You can be paid by an hour. 
And in this profession, there is little differential in wages between male and females. Our work is similar to the observation made by Claudia Golden in a sense that we show that in some firms, flexibility and ability to work outside the standard office hours is being disproportionately rewarded. And so how specifically do you go out and, and, and test this theory? So if you believe that um, exporting firms expect workers to be able to interact with customers located abroad outside of the standard business hours, then it should matter where the exporting firm is selling its goods. So in particular, this gender wage gap we find should be systematically related to the differential in time zones in the export markets served by, by a particular firm. So we look at the export portfolio of Norwegian firms and we calculate the overlap in business hours between Norway and the export markets served by the firm. So for instance, if Norwegian firm is exporting to Sweden or Germany or France, exporting shouldn't have much impact on the gender wage gap. However, if a Norwegian firm is exporting to Malaysia or Japan or the US, then the gender wage gap will be larger. And now we should, we should put listeners out of their misery. The big reveal, what is the answer? Do exporting companies have a bigger gender pay gap than non-exporting ones? So we find that firms that become exporters increase the gender wage gap by 3%. We also find that this gender wage gap, that this effect is present among college-educated workers, but not among workers with less education. And that's consistent uh, with our expectations that educated workers are the ones who are dealing with customers located abroad. Um, these are the people who are taking these early morning or late at night calls. We also find that the effects are larger when we just consider workers uh, younger than 45 years of age. Um, these are people who are more likely to have young children at home um, and for whom it's less convenient um, to be available uh, outside of the regular business hours. In another exercise, we split workers into those who are managers, professionals, and technicians, and we find the same effect among this group, we do not find higher gender wage gap being associated with exporting in other occupational groups. And so how big are the, the size of the effects that you find? So a well-known study looked at the UK labor market and looked at workers who have been in the labor market for 10 years. It found that the accumulated work experience explains about a quarter of the gender wage gap. Our effect is equal to half of that. So it's a fairly sizable effect. Reasonably sizable. So it's half of the quarter, right? In summary, 
It looks like when companies start to export, their gender wage gap grows bigger, and and that change is not trivial. And and the theory here is that it is something about the process of exporting, this need to deal with customers or clients in different time zones. That that process is harder for women to deal with than men. Now, really, really important. Finding a gender pay gap does not tell you who is being sexist here. It could be the companies, it could be society with different expectations of women, social norms. It could be all sorts of things. Let me, let me play devil's advocate here. Could it be that your result is is driven by sexism in the importing country? That for some reason it's the importing country that's sexist and they don't want to have to deal with women and they're demanding that these Norwegian firms employ men. And that's what drives women not being given the same opportunities. It is possible that women are less effective as business partners in countries that are more conservative in their perceptions of the roles of men and women. Therefore, in our study, we also asked, is it the case that the gender wage gap is larger if a firm is exporting to such markets. And we measured national perceptions of gender roles using an index from the World Economic Forum. We found no effect. In other words, the lesser effectiveness of women in more traditional export markets cannot explain our finding related to the time zones. So the answer to this question of of what exactly is driving this gender pay gap is obviously really important because understanding the channel could help us actually change the situation. So if if what's driving this is perceptions, then maybe we need to change those perceptions. Or or maybe men could be nudged to take on more childcare responsibilities. Turns out, Beata looked at this. So in another exercise that's... um not uh, in the in the published version of the paper, we use the fact that the parental leave legislation has changed in Norway during the period we consider. In particular, the Norwegian government increased paternity leave quota. That's the number of weeks of parental leave that is allocated to the child's father. And it's take it or lose it. So if the father doesn't utilize this time, this leave, the mother is unable to take it. Um, In this way, Norwegian government has nudged men to be more involved in childcare and to actually take time off work. So in our study, we looked at whether increase in the share of fathers who take a substantial chunk of leave leads to the gender wage gap found at exporting firms going down. So in other words, if you believe that social norms change, the perceptions of the roles of men and women change as men become more and more involved in childcare, that should work in favor of women and should lead to lower gender wage gap in firms. Turns out, men taking more paternity leave is associated with a smaller gender wage gap in exporting companies. So what we what we actually did is we look at the percentage of fathers who take at least two months of leave, right? And this is this is na- na- national time varying variable, and as this 
percentage goes up, the gender wage gap in exporting firms is going down. I think I should say here that there are a bunch of different explanations for for what's going on here. It's unclear whether hard constraints are driving these these changes or actually if it's just the changing perception of, of the constraints. So to put that more concretely, it could be that actually because of these paternity leave changes, men start taking on more childcare responsibilities and, and the load is shared more evenly between men and women and that changes the, the gender pay gap. Or it could be that these paternity leave changes and and men actually taking it up affect the the norms and the perceptions about who is really committed to their crazy working hours job. Alternatively, you know, it could be that maybe more men taking paternity leave made companies wake up and and question the work model that they were setting. Maybe companies' behaviours changed in response to more of their employees taking this paternity leave. Now, while I found this research fascinating and important, it did leave me kind of sad to think that for some reason, trade had this gender pay gap associated with it. But it's not all bad. It turns out that there is some other evidence out there that trade can also be associated with good things for gender equality. So a study by Yun and Cothers looked at how trade liberalization affected gender inequality in Mexico. So international trade can work through different channels. Imagine that Mexico gets improved access to the U.S. market. That may create incentive for some firms to upgrade, to modernize their production process in order to export. As they modernize the production process, workers no longer need to have physical strength to work on the production line. That means that suddenly women become more attractive employees. And, he, and there is a study by Yun and co-authors which showed um, that this was indeed the case in Mexico after the introduction of NAFTA. So the idea there is a plant is upgrading its its equipment and it now invests in all of these machines that can lift heavy things and you just don't require brute strength anymore, which is maybe more characteristic of uh, male workers than, than female. And now it, it levels the playing field for anybody to be able to take advantage of, of working for those kinds of firms. Exactly. And now these firms hire more women and women account for a larger share of payroll in those firms. Okay, so so final hot takes here. Um, I think the really, really important thing I want listeners to take away is, you know, well, first of all, the, the finding of the research, but then but then essentially the idea that trade is this multifaceted thing. And and just like it's not often very helpful to say that technology is is good or, or bad, even for, for some group, that the same is true with trade. The, the impact of trade is going to be context-specific. There are elements of trade that will be challenging given various structures that we've set up for ourselves. Um, and in other cases, it will present opportunities. My final thought here is when I look at these gender pay gaps, it's not at all clear to me that they're just a, a simple fact of life that we have no power to change. If the explanation is that our stupid social norms mean that women can't deliver the kind of flexibility that men can, then maybe we should think really hard about how those jobs are being set up. 
and whether expectations for those types of jobs are at all reasonable. Just because somebody can answer the phone, does it mean that they should? Basically, I don't want us to come away from this thinking, oh, it's just trade and time zones, and those are just a fact of life, and there's nothing that we can do. I think another way of saying that is, you know, if A is causing B, that doesn't necessarily mean that C can't come in and help. On that algebraic note, that is all for Trade Talks. A huge thank you to Beata Yevorsik of the University of Oxford and the EBRD for being so generous with her time. Make sure to read her paper, Working Across Time Zones, Exporters and the Gender Wage Gap, with Esther Ann Bola and Karen Helen Ultveit Mo. I'm so sorry if I've butchered your names. We'll post links to the papers on the episode page at our website. That is www.tradetalkspodcast.com. And thanks also to Colin Warren, our audio guy. Do follow us on Twitter. I'm at Samaya Keynes. And I'm at Chad Bown. And we're on at trade underscore underscore talks. That's not one but two underscores, at trade underscore underscore talks. Because two genders getting up at 7 a.m. to answer those telephone calls would be better than one. Damn straight. Or maybe nobody getting up at 7 a.m. to answer those calls. <laughs>